Clay, I know that this season has been 9-11 based. The show mm. staying relevant as ever with a, mm-hmm. a discussion about an event that happened in the timeline of the show maybe a couple of years ago, but for our intents and purposes, 20 years ago. However, this episode has been nice because this one is much more topical because the crew visits the wet market that spawned COVID in this episode. Yes. Which is which yes. is wonderful. <laughs> At least it would have been. It, it felt that way maybe six months ago, and now that we know, it's pretty much a, a lab leak that actually spawned COVID. But six months ago, this would have been fantastic. <laughs> we would have said, "There's a wet market. Definitely some bad stuff coming out of that thing." Hey, and if we had left that wet market with a sexy concubine slave, <laughs> we we only left with those that armadillo creatures that give us diseases. Yeah, they, you don't get a sexy <clears throat> a sexy slave alien creature to play with. But hey, turned out bad no matter what they left. So COVID (laughs) COVID, or otherwise. COVID or a body scan that you didn't sign up for. We're talking about Regine. I think it's pronounced Regine. It's either Regine or Regine. I think it's Regine. Um, Spawned the Dolly Parton single, the hit single, Regine. Regine. We're going to take a break. We'll play a clip from this episode. Then we'll come back and we'll break it down. How's our guest? I'm not familiar with her species, but uh, she appears to be in perfect health. I'm afraid I don't even know your name. I'm called Rajin. Rajin is the fourth episode of the third season. came out on October 1st, 2003. It is the fifth of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc. Teleplay goes to Brent V. Friedman and Chris Black. Story credit goes to Paul Brown and Brent V. Friedman, directed by Mike Vehar. In Universe State specifically, not known, it's 2153 in this episode. Enterprise takes on board Regine, a beautiful, enigmatic passenger with ulterior motives. They do. She has ulterior motives. I have to imagine that one of those writers is actually a pen name. For Rick Berman, yeah, <laughs> because I noticed that it's probably the Brent to be, V. Friedman, which is a fake-sounding <laughs> name if I've ever heard one. Yeah. Um, I noticed that this seemed to be the first one I've noticed anyway that wasn't credited in any way to uh, uh, Braga and oh Berman. Yeah, they don't have a story credit or a teleplay credit. Yeah, yeah, it's unusual. If, was, it's not, if, if not the first time, it's unusual that that's the case. It was very unusual given the content mm-hmm. of this episode, which seemed like it was almost as though it was a tribute episode to Rick, <laughs> given the amount of... Rick never left his office during the production of this one. This is the... Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> he couldn't stand up. So you see, he was, he was installing he that, button, a couple minutes. that button that Matt Lauer had under his desk, whatever, to, uh, to lock people in there. Tell Nikita, yeah, I need to speak to her about this part. <laughs> I'll be in, my, be in my trailer. Yeah, it's... Um, it, there's a lot of scantily clad touching, um, and then I, I I didn't think they could push it any further until they had T'Pol in her skivvies basically making out with this other woman, mm-hmm. which I was like, I, I, I'm not even going to do the voice tonight because I think it would be too easy. Teased, they teased us with Hoshi, too. <clears throat> Hoshi just has yeah. some, some sexual yeah. tension, but she doesn't get down to any... Any dirty uh, touching that we see, anyway, in this episode. But yeah, it's it's Regine. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a tough one to pronounce. It. I think it's Regine. Um, yeah, I 
I don't know. This was a this was a tough one. I, I usually try to think about what I want to talk about on the podcast before I come on, or at least I, tr- I try to desperately, just so I have some <laughs> goal in mind as something to talk about, have a note or something. I don't really have a lot to say about this one. It's mm-hmm. um the the biggest fear to me is that uh it actually made me think about Voyager and our potential upcoming coverage of Voyager, which if it makes it to a certain level on Patreon, patreon.com slash the file, if we get to a certain tier amount or goal amount there, we'll cover an Voyager in its entirety. Otherwise, it's just a curated watch. Um, it left me thinking that Voyager will be tough if this episode is anything like what Voyager eventually does, right? So, mm-hmm. Which is a, a long way of thinking... There's not a lot going on here, and I know that's kind of been a criticism of Enterprise in general. However, I thought that at least like the, maybe the only thing that this one had going for it is that I thought it was tied into the the serial arc of the season. Okay, it, it was like mm-hmm. an okay stop in the road for that kind of stuff, but I didn't really like anything else that was going on. It just felt like a really um, it felt really empty in a way that like made mm-hmm. me wonder what's going on. And the reason it links to Voyager is because like there's only so much of there's only so much of that you can go through before you start to wonder what the point of it is. Enterprise is mercifully short, but th- I guess that's the, the difference between the two of them. But it just felt like it's Enterprise's flaw. It's it's a it's a show that's not really about anything. It's not there's like nothing mm. to it really. It's just a, a thing happens and then the stuff happens. And as I said, the only thing that I really liked about it was the fact that it somewhat ties into the Zindi arc and gives the Zindi the slightest bit of something to do. But even then, I think we have stuff to talk about there, too. Yeah. Um, it continues to have the problem of, like you said, not being about anything when it seemed to have a lot of pieces in place to make it about something. Because you've you've got the setup being that archer is saving this uh sexually trafficked woman um who obviously turns out to be a bad guy but like they don't broach anything regarding that at all or what it means to grant asylum to somebody on the ship or mm-hmm. something you know like there's yeah <laughs> Or Why how he doesn't this pay? Might... What, was it right that he didn't pay the guy when he took her away at the end? Should he have paid him if he's if he's going to steal his <laughs> goods or anything like that? They, just, they didn't care about any of that stuff. Yeah, or and like, um, does it get in the way of the of the mission that they're on and stuff? It was this was a very um pulpy episode because it was pretty much all sex and violence. Yeah, as, as far as you can go on a an early two thousands UPN Star Trek show, um, and interestingly, I, I, her and sorry, her her mm. sexiness could her sexiness is also extremely gratuitous in this because she, she what she does is basically the same as if she snuck a tricorder onto the ship and just scanned right. somebody randomly and yeah. then was like, all right, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave now. Yeah, it, it was just like the most. Uh, alluring, titillating version of doing a full a CT scan yeah, you could possibly just, come up with. Go to go to Flocks and ask ask him for some information about yeah. these guys. It's it's just steal a, steal the hard drive out of the sick bay or something. It's just tits 
to because there's nothing else going on. There's like nothing yeah. here beyond that, and and that's all it is. And they're that fine. Was, they're fine that tips, was, but it's like this, this is this is what it is. That was Rick's pitch for the episode. <laughs> that was you just it's you just read it off the page there. This episode yeah. is the tits. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because there was a certain aspect of it that reminded me quite a bit of uh, the uh, TOS. Yes, um, which I think is intentional, actually. Yeah, yeah. Especially the scene when they're back on the ship and uh, she's getting up close and personal with Archer, and she, and she's about to start doing the uh, the X ray thing there. Um, they love that, that effect. They they did it. It in was the, kind of it was cool. They did yeah. well. They did an extinction sort of when he's turning into the frog alien mm. creature. They kind of oh. did the same thing. That does remind me. The one thing that stood out to me at the beginning of this episode that I I, I actually wrote wow in my notes is that um, there's holdover from the fact that Archer was completely physically transformed into a different species and then transformed back. Yep. And he has, I mean, he's got like a rash or something, but at least it's something. It's not just... It's keeping him up. Yeah, keeping him yeah. up at night. It's well, not just back to normal, but... Here's the question. Um, I hmm. don't know how this pans out, but I was thinking about it. Is the reason that that scene in sequence is in this because it serves no pu- no function for that thing? Mm-hmm. Are they going to do something where her scans are contaminated because Archer is still part that other alien? Um, I would be very surprised if they did that. I would be shocked because that doesn't seem like what Enterprise would do. But I can't think of any other reason why that sequence is in this episode at all. I would have to assume well um she does not I come mean, back I know be, that much I will say that No You're talking about the sequence where he has the hangover from the change thing Right where he goes to Flocks and he's yeah, itchy yeah. and it's because he's still part partially those aliens or he's coming off of it but is her scan of him to get this info for this biological weapon does it mm-hmm. end up failing because she scanned him while he was still unrecovered from this disease i i don't know that i mean maybe i doubt it it seems to me more that i would i would be more um i would think maybe it comes back in it in some other way later uh for archer specifically um i'm not sure how I don't know how but either. Maybe, I, I would be shocked if Enterprise did that because that seems extremely subtle for this show in a way that right, is right. surprising to me. But I, I'm really just hung up on it because it doesn't do anything. It's just it just gives Archer a scene to talk to Flocks at the start, mm-hmm. and it's not like it. It's not like it gives you any insight into him. He's like, I'm up all night because I'm so fucking horned up, Flocks. Like I can't believe that this is the thing that's going on. I don't. I don't understand why it's necessary. Any it, of that. It seems like it seems like seed planting for something that's going to come later, specific to that change in that 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 um, city or something. But okay, that that might just be honestly that might just be twenty first century TV watching imprinting on early twenty first century TV watching. Like, yeah, it might I just mean, be. Do you think it's just them? Do you think it's just them being like, "Hey, we're a serialized show." We're gonna bring up stuff that happened last week, so you better yeah, pay attention. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, in in a show like this, in a show like Enterprise, you would think that bringing that up would tie in somehow whether or not 
literally or thematically into the episode you're about to watch. But yeah, I would expect it to tie into the plot of this episode, but not extend beyond that because that seems very like even DS9, I wouldn't say was like setting stuff up exactly that way where they're going to know where it comes in 10 episodes. It it feels like a very comic booky setup for something later, where it's like you're in the middle of a story, and then someone has a thought bubble that talks about something that is the first step towards the phoenix showing mm. up or something. Yeah. Two, Twelve issues later, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll be surprised if it comes back, but if it if it doesn't, I won't be surprised. If, I think I just said the same thing twice, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the TOS thing, the, the scene where, where she's doing the scan on him and they're like all up close and personal and stuff, even the music sounded a really TOS-y. Oh, did it? Yeah, I, can't say I, I thought so. And uh, it was that plus the beginning going down to the planet and finding this slave girl and stuff felt felt very much like a TOS kind of thing. The, the market felt TOS-y to me. Mm-hmm. All, all of their away mission stuff feels very... Partially those jackets that they wear. I feel like it's some sort of like uh, TOS crew production member jacket giveaway that they got at the end of a season. <laughs> I, uh, I, don't, I don't remember Ensign Gaffer, <laughs> but it says it on the back of his jacket. <laughs> Regine is... Um, you know, it's not about anything, but I I was similar to you. It's like I watch a lot of these episodes and I'm just like, I see they could have done something here. Like I, mm. I was mostly struck by when she scans Archer and then it cuts to them standing apart and he's like, what the hell just happened? Like it sort of time yeah. jumps back. I'm watching that going, they should have made the whole episode about this. Like this woman mm. has some sort of like thing where she comes on board and she is just like, they, no one can tell what reality is anymore or something. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a power more beyond just like, look at my eyes, look at my lips. Now I'm going to touch your head and you can't do anything about it. Like g- yeah. give it some kind of interesting expanse anomaly type setup. And it, it, all they did, it, they did it for the Archer thing just as a way to get out of that sequence unawkwardly. I, you know, I she almost killed to Paul. I don't even know what she did to her, right? Or like why I, why it was necessary to go after to Paul? Yeah, really, I know? thought I thought it was like, did she steal her brain waves or something? It just seemed to be very invasive, whatever she was doing, and and really hurt her. Well, was she trying um, to kill her, or was that just because she's a Vulcan? It's going badly. I don't know why she needs to scan to Paul because to Paul, they care about killing the humans. As far as I can tell, she was sent there to get Archer's mm-hmm. DNA, and that, maybe she's just doing a, a bang-up job or something, getting everybody's DNA, but it seemed unnecessary and pointless. Yeah, I mean, yeah, unless the point was, because she didn't she didn't try to scan Flocks or anything, so no. it doesn't seem like she was trying to go for I mean, but she never met Flocks. But but it's not like T'Pol yeah, was the, the Troy character in TNG who the alien has to take out because she'll be able to sense what's going on, so they take over her mind and knock her out or something like that for the entire mm-hmm. episode. DePaul mm-hmm. wasn't on to anything. DePaul wasn't. She was just setting up the sexy candles. Just getting the candles waiting, ready. They burned at both ends. Crack her knuckles and get into the scapulas of the of the situation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a weird episode. Um, and the, I mean, and then later on when the when they get attacked by the the Zindi guys, they've got that gooey gum gun. Yeah, that like shoots a booger at the wall and then sprays porcupine. Meat <laughs> <in the center. laughs> and that, and at the end, Archer's like, "I need to know the secrets of this gun because it's weird, and I need to know how to not get sprayed by gross boogers." 
<laughs> fucking shot backwards. Reed, get on this. Yeah, I, I guess I don't want to use it. I just, I just, I don't have a Kleenex big enough to deal with it. I guess that's the other, the other thing about this one. It, you know, I think it does set up the Zindi arc at least a little bit, and this is our first sense. <laughs> I, still, I still find them so silly. They are it, silly. We, we can talk about them, but they, yeah, they at least set up the Zindi in a way that they are. I both appreciate it and think it's very weird where the Zindi are clearly overpowering against the enterprise. Like you can shoot them and mm-hmm. nothing happens. Right. So they, mm-hmm. they have this power advantage, which is somewhat helpful or it's at least nice to know that at this far, a couple episodes in that the Zindi ships are uh, superior. They can move in a way that the enterprise can't, their weapons don't do anything against them. Uh, at the same time, it does make it strange that the Zindi and the Zindi Council are so scared of the Enterprise and what it's doing. And yeah, I know that they have this prophecy that was told to them that the Earth is going to destroy them and so that maybe that's why they're nervous about it. But the way that they're treating them, it just doesn't seem to line up with like how their power levels go against the Enterprise. It's, it's just a little mm. bit confusing. You can, you can take it into somewhere about the Zindi Council after that, but I just don't... I think the Zindi are developed in this episode, but they're also still just generally weak as a group of villains in the series to this point. Um, but you can go off of that. I, it's just the... Do, do we know too much about the Zindi or not enough about the Zindi? Um, I'm going to say too much okay so we shouldn't have seen them would you be would be your better take we shouldn't have seen any of the council Uh, members so far no well no i don't know i i think because that's what i'm thinking i would i would cut out all council scenes yeah i i think the council scenes are terrible yeah i think they're really bad the opening cold open to this episode was just i didn't know what the hell was going on it's just a bunch of (laughs) bunch of monsters yelling at each other about like schematics and shit and like we can't do that it's the only recourse we have left well we shouldn't do it yeah they're making they're making a bioweapon as a backup plan for their laser weapon is the point sure yeah right yeah Yeah. but like that that brings to to the forefront like you got an episode like this where they very easily infiltrate the enterprise just blow the ship up, kill everybody on board. Right. Problem solved. <laughs> right. Yeah. As far as as far as everybody else knows, the Enter- the Enterprise is the only ship that they sent into the expanse. The Zindi don't seem as- to know that, I guess. Yeah, but I, yeah. I take your point. Yeah. <laughs> well, they haven't run into any other ones. No, I guess, they haven't. But, but like, blow them up. I, w- I would say scan. They they do have to scan. They them already because they want the weapons. Sorry. but they should scan them and then kill them. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. they already destroyed uh, millions and millions of people on earth it's not like they're gun shy or something you know what i mean it's not like they can't fire on them because they don't want to set off a war you already did it you already they're not set up as pacifists who are right yeah yeah but it feels to me like every time that they have one of these scenes they're talking about it as though they are um like the 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 wary um the, the wary people about to be invaded, not knowing how to handle the fact that they're about to be invaded. It's like, dude, you guys struck first. What 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 are you waiting for? Like, right. it, why are you playing this? Why are you playing defense here? 
in a situation where you seem to be able to overpower the ship fairly easily, just get rid of them. Yeah, I, I would agree that after scanning them for the bio information, they should probably kill Enterprise at that point, and it's surprising that they don't. I think that, back to the question of whether or not you know too much or too little, it's whether or not the, the Zindi kind of sit in this strange space where I don't, and it's to your point about not killing them, their motivations are really not very clear outside right. of like, we right. know that they're trying to stop the earth from destroying them. So they're going to strike first. And we know that mm-hmm. they, they bicker with each other because the reptilian Zindis, and I think one bug Zindi for some reason, were the only ones who uh, chose to do this mission with Rajin or Regine or whatever. So there's this power struggle amongst them. But they haven't got into the core reason for why they disagree with each other, really, or like why why they're doing things the way that they're doing. And I think that's the mm-hmm. problem of showing too much about them. If you didn't show the council at all, and every time the Enterprise occasionally would run into a Zindi with something like this, you'd say, "Oh, I don't. I wonder what's going on with these guys. This is pretty mysterious and strange. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll figure something out." And you say, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's a better way to carry the story. Or the other way you can do it is that the audience understands the Zindi completely and the Enterprise characters are in the dark about what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you wanted to do that, I think the Zindi have to be better drawn than they are currently. And the show's yeah. kind of stuck them in the middle and I don't think it's a very good place for the Zindi to be as a, a antagonist for the season. Well, one of the things I find fascinating that they chose to do <clears throat> with the Zindi is show you them as thoroughly as the, as they do right from minute one of, of season three and show you that they're made up of all these different species and whatnot and then have the Zindi's species makeup be a mystery to the Enterprise mm-hmm. because I feel like you can get a lot out of that if you're – it's – Star Trek is so um, mono species or special species. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. But monoculture. 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 Yeah. yeah. There's always the Klingons. All the Klingons look like the same. All the Vulcans look the same. All the Romulans look the same, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so introducing a species that is or, or a, a culture that is made up of a bunch of different species is a new concept to to Star Trek. And I'm surprised that they don't use that as a story driver more because so much of what the Enterprise is doing is going, huh, these guys seem to be Zindi, but also these weird werewolf guys seem to be Zindi. Yeah. How is that possible? Like they're building that into it as though it's a it's a mystery, but you, the audience already knows that they're just a bunch of weirdos sitting around a table. So and I think there's there's untapped potential in the mystery and and the um in, uh inferred hostility and danger you can you can get from having them be unknown are you imagining um, it like the um do you know the concept do you know the concept of battlestar galactica like what the cylons are uh i know they're robots but they're I robots don't know but they that. But they can change into people, right? Or they something. can look like people, but there's yeah. only 
like 11 models. So once you know what one of them looks like, you know that that's a Cylon and that all the other Cylons will look like that person, basically. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's in, in the show, there's a sort of subterfuge aspect where you can't be sure who's a Cylon and who isn't. But once you uncover them, you'll know that there's a million other robots that look like that person somewhere gotcha. living around. Gotcha. The, the Zindi kind of could have had that aspect where it's a, you're working with different species and all across a bunch of different episodes. And at the end you go, you're a Zindi? And they go, yes, we are. And it's like this kind of like learning how deep down the rabbit yeah. hole everything goes. It, it, or they you, spoil it for you at the start here because they wanted to show the makeup off, I guess. Yeah, because I mean like, or if you've got them going down tracking pulling at one thread about who they think the zindi are whether it's the the guy who showed up in the ship that blasted the earth or whatever they're going like okay so these this these guys seem to be the zindi and then in this episode they get jumped by the galaxy quest guys who are also zindi right which they're not expecting and you know what i mean like so i think there's especially especially when you are the core of your story for the season is sending the enterprise into a very unknown space um more so than anything else they've ever been sent into to fight a villain they don't know anything about it's weird to me that they tell you all about the villain yes. because it just f- makes the enterprise look like assholes it does i you know i i think that's the way the show is cho- choosing to do it i think that like c- on the flip c- side yeah sorry the other thing on the flip side if you're gonna sh- like, I agree with what you're saying. If you're gonna show what they are, the reason needs to be super compelling. Yeah, I would say that. The, I would say that the species thing is just not compelling enough to be right. something to hide from the crew. Yeah, but their their inner turmoil is if there's if there's something interesting at the core of why the Zindi species don't get along with each other, and it's a kind of like fractional alliance that is almost splintering at this point. I think that there's drama there because it can be developed and you as an audience member can kind of get ahead of Archer and the crew and understanding Mm -hmm. like this is how these guys are potentially going to fall apart or how you can beat them or something like that. It's the way the show is doing it. I think I would prefer not seeing the Zindi at all and only occasionally Mm -hmm. bumping into them and being more mysterious and uh, not a mystery box thing, but just be like, I don't know who a Zindi is. What's going on out here? Mm. Especially, especially if you're coming off a 9/11 analog, right? Yeah, and this is all sort of in response to 9/11. Uh, you know the uh, the the core tenet of <laughs> I imagine of, this is very true to Al Qaeda meetings. This <laughs> the, the council, well, the council meetings. Yeah, yeah Zindu, but yeah. like the core the core tenet of of terrorism in the in the 2000s was not. Oh, I know everyone who is a terrorist. Mm-hmm. It was it's they wear badges. Yeah, they all they all wear badges. No, but it, but it's 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 strange to, and I guess I can understand them coming at it from like purposefully doing that, being like, well, we want to show that the Zindi are a people who are making a decision who are not explicitly maybe bad, sure um, to to go that rope. But they're not really doing that no. because the Zindi are talking about building bioweapons, and I, we don't really know why. Yes, um, yeah. And I think you need to if you're going to play that route, if you're going to go for the these guys, uh, these guys decided to make it. These guys made a decision that was more about self self preservation or whatever than it was just being an evil cabal of aliens. 
you need to make clear fairly early why that is and what the decision was. Yeah. I think. No, I, I would agree. I, I, I think that's a good Especially coverage. if you're going to start with them, too. Yes. Like, if you're going to show them, like, right off the bat, you've got to have a reason to do that other than be like, look, it's a werewolf and a gill man. Mm-hmm. It's the monster squad plus a bug. Who's your favorite and least favorite Zindi species? Um, I, I like the werewolf guy <laughs> just because he doesn't fit with the rest of them. I think they're supposed to be monkeys, I think. Well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just so it just, know it doesn't... I think they're monkey Zindi or something, yeah. yeah. Is Who's the guy in the makeup? Is it... Uh, is it the Martian Manhunter? Is it the guy that plays Martian Manhunter? I can't the, remember the name. actor's name. Yeah, it is. There is Tucker Smallwood is the Zindi primate counselor. So that's Tucker Smallwood. Okay, that's not him. Yeah. Think of somebody else. Randy um, Oglesby, Rick Worthy, Scott McDonald, and Steve Larson. No, um, but that one stands out because the rest of them are all like, kind of like lizard people to some extent, or yeah. like. The, the dinosaurs the yeah the dinosaur guys kind of mix with the the uh the water guys and like the, the bug. bug guys feel kind of like they're of the, of a same piece you know and then you've got the the werewolf guys that just feel like they're out of place there. yeah and then a couple people the, that are the just humans like the humans, dudes. The humans yeah. and the apes are the two the two non-reptile dinosaur looky looking guys yeah um what's weird about the bugs is that in the council shots where they're looking down at them, the bugs are entirely CG, which surprises mm-hmm. me. I would have, I don't know if it was more difficult, I would have had an actor with a blue screen head wear a costume and CG their head onto them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When, when mm-hmm. you're looking at the bugs, they look really bad because they have to CG their their capes that are hanging over the back of their chairs right, right. and it looks terrible. Just put a guy in a real suit and CG his head onto it. Or, I mean, they're just sitting at a table. Just build the damn thing. Make yeah, an yeah. animatronic or something yeah. or a puppet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was just thinking, is, is this going to turn out that the Zindi are doing what they're doing because their uh, existence is threatened or something? Because I feel like that's the only... Based I thought on that's what the, they've been hinting at. Uh, not hinting, but yeah. like, that's what Future Guy told them, I guess. It's self-preservation. I think I think that's still the thing that we're operating under, is that they're they're trying to kill shoot first, basically, so that mm-hmm. humans won't have a chance to kill them. Yeah, because the bringing back the um the thing from last episode with Archer, I feel like the only reason they would do that is because the idea the thing he came away from the last episode with in that final scene about not wanting to be the person who executes another species or something like that. I feel like bring that back specifically and having that stick with him has to play into whatever the, the confrontation with the Zindi ends up being. Cause especially, especially cause he's so angry mm-hmm. that I feel like he's being driven towards being confronted with rejecting his anger. Like ra- yeah, rationality, or, or ha- winning out over emotion, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a put yourself in their shoes type moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. For for better word, I would, I'd mostly be shocked because Extinction was so terrible that if that was a important plot piece, they just stuck it in at the end of that that Extinction episode, where it's just like, you know, I don't, I don't really want to kill an entire species, and mm. roll credits, and then have to bring it up here again. 
Like, I is there, there going to be a moment where they get to the Zindi capital and the entire city's destroyed, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Just like when I was a frogman. Yeah, <laughs> probably something. <laughs> like just, that. just like what happened to Florida. You know, every every destroyed civilization will just flash in front of his eyes, and he'll say, "I I can't do this either." We need so we did that because we need someone to take these weapons away from us. We keep blowing up our own buildings, and everybody's dead here. I think we talked about the Zindi enough. I feel like we did short shrift to a regime. Mm-hmm. Um, no shorter shrift than the shirt she's wearing. Hey, oh, no, she changes outfits a lot. Yeah, I don't a- know where she called it clothes from. <laughs> <laughs> she she runs off with Archie wearing like a bikini made out of twine. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she's got like fashionable. Maybe she's she's does is there a fashionable pajama store on the Enterprise that we just don't know about? Oh, she's oh she's a side hustle or something. I, I yeah, assume. yeah. I she mean, changes clothes constantly for someone who had nothing and ran away with them. Um, I I mean I, I can't even really break down what the problem is there because I don't think that her sexuality ties into anything really. Like, there's no the point of her power. And what she does to the crew doesn't really have anything to say or do about the episode itself, which is largely based on the Zindi plot, I think, of mm-hmm. like the Zindi trying to get this information. So Regine is doing this plot where you could do it with a tricorder. There's no reason for this sexy time stuff. Where that- was she going to hide the tricorder, Wes? Not a lot of room for a tricorder <laughs> and a twine bikini. Send over an incredible police sketch artist who could just sketch out what these people <laughs> look like. Um, you know, it's it's not even like I, I don't think that the show whiffed on its theme and was like, oh, they didn't lay that on heavy enough, and I think they could have gone. It's, I don't think they have anything to say whatsoever. It's just no, like we we'll just no. have a, a, a sexy woman show up and rub Archer up and down and rub to Paul's midriff. And they go, okay. Yeah, I guess that's it. it. It's I was I was more interested in like when when she starts making eyes at Hoshi, I was like, oh, I would be interested to, to see Hoshi in a relationship with a woman for an episode, just mm-hmm. like casually mm-hmm. and have and like <laughs> I, it would have been I would have thought that's a more interesting story to me than whatever this was. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think is the um? did you see any upside to she doesn't come back? I did. I, I looked it up because. I don't know whether it's fair or not, but I was like, if she comes back, maybe I don't have to be as harsh on this mm-hmm. as I am going to be, which is not really fair for how we generally cover these episodes. But I kind of had to know, like, is, mm-hmm. is she returned? Is, is that something? They name, she, they name the episode after named her. After. She, she doesn't come back. She's mentioned in one upcoming episode. Archie goes, this is like what happened with Regine, I think, in some upcoming episode. So... If anything, that knocks the episode down a little bit more yeah. for me, especially because you see her at the end in the Zindi Council, and she doesn't want to betray Archer. And the guy's mm. like, you better tell us about the bio data, and then she does. And it's like, I, I guess it all just comes down to how bad that plot was, where I, was, I laughed out loud when she just eventually cracks in the brig and tells Archer what he <laughs> wants to know, because there's yeah. no reason to tell him. He hasn't done yeah. anything. Yeah, she, he's just like, tell me. She's like, no, no. Okay, wait, hold on. All I'll right, these you. reptilian it's, guys. You know, yeah, it's like, it's so so yeah. unearned and so silly. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very strange. They put a lot of focus on her for no reason, other than the titillation factor. Um, she's not 
an interesting she goes through no interesting character change like it's not her wanting to to save them at the end feels like it's born out of nothing um was her story was her origin story that she tells archer true that she's a sex slave from birth and doesn't remember her planet or anything like that um if it's i don't know if it's not true why does she care about what archer did for her if it is true what a strange agent for the zindi to hire yeah like it's not a species power that the, the zindi would know that the species can do this it just seems so weird. i i assume i'm gonna say she must really be a sex worker Sex slave. Sorry, worker <laughs> implies sex worker implies that she a has W four. Yeah, yeah, or you know, agency in a, of any kind. Um, I'm going to assume that she was a sex slave because I think the implication is that the Zindi swung by her pimp and probably contacted her at that point and recruited her. But did they know about her powers, or was that just a helpful side I, effect? I assume they must have. Okay. It's a weird kind of line to draw, but that's the only way I can make sense of it is that because they mentioned that the Zindi were there and they but specifically all, head over to the, the pimp guy. To also, talk the about pimp the is Zindi. not in on it, though, because the pimp tries Correct. to stop this from happening, Correct. which is the strange. Yes. The Zindi, going by your thing, I would say the Zindi would pay the pimp to say, mm-hmm. you let her go with them. Here's the payment for it. You know, that doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be the case, though. Yeah. Um, but doesn't she make eye know. contact with the pimp, too? When, when, when Archie's like, no, I don't, I don't want a sex slave, and he walks away. I think there's a sequence where they look at each other, like the plan isn't going the way that it's supposed to be going. But oh, then the, I don't remember. But then the pimp fights for her, and I, I don't understand why that happens instead of just letting her go. Yeah. I no might idea. be misremembering. but I, I, The only eye, eye contact I remember is when is between her and Archer. Because at first I thought she was a character we had seen before and that he knew her or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that she just had sexy stroke powers. Um, but yeah. Is yeah. she underexplained? Do you think? Are her powers underexplained to the point where it's an issue or is it just... I don't think it's an issue. I just think it doesn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. Would explaining her powers make the story any better? No, it, it wouldn't. But is it? Is it... <laughs> sexy is it is it a sexiness thing or is she just kind of like um shining a light on what is it you shine a light on a deer or something and it can't run away like is is it that kind of a power or is it that people find her irresistible it seems to be some sort of irresistibility because hoshi seems into her like and they don't she doesn't just get up close and scan her they go and they have lunch together (laughs) (laughs) which is why i was interested in seeing like i which is why I was interested in this episode being more about Hoshi realizing that maybe she likes girls. Mm-hmm. Hoshi goes um, to lunch. Yeah. Hoshi has a box lunch. <laughs> my 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 dinner with Rajin. Um but yeah, I I think I think there's sexuality implied with her powers because of the way they manifest and stuff and um it it makes the attack on Tapal fairly disturbing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's just it's another a weird Star one. Trek rape thing. Rape. Yeah, category. mind. Ra- they they love mind rape in this show in this franchise. Franchise. Um, 
The one thing that I did think made it kind of interesting, and this is like a kind of with a lowercase k, mm. um, is the fact that they lose, is that they that she actually gets away and gives the Zindi the information and stuff. Yeah. Which is which is cool, but like again, in service of what in the rest of this episode. It's not it's not really about anything. It's just kind of like the next step in the plot. And yeah. that doesn't really do it for me in this show. It's also a I don't know if they're building towards this. I would assume they kind of are, but the uh they fail to stop her from giving away their Bio- biological information to the Zindi to make that weapon. They also fail to make that Trellium D stuff that will protect mm. the ship. So it is kind right. of, I don't know if failure is a theme, but they seem to be setting up the case that the Enterprise just can't get anything accomplished in this. Which maybe is fine. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm cool with that. Um, I think you could still tell a compelling story while you're doing that. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to say, I'm glad you brought that. The the tr- What is it called? I Trillium? Think it's Trillium D. Trillium D. Because um, I was thinking when you were talking about that scene where Archer gets scanned and then wakes up like 15 feet away from her or something, and, and why wasn't it due to the expanse? I think, I think that would be actually a pretty cool episode if she goes to the ship intending to steal this data, but since their ship isn't protected with Trillium D, it doesn't work the way like she runs into these anomaly problems right. because the ship keeps getting fucked up and that that then is kind of interesting because uh, now she has something in front of her that she has to get through and then the enterprise has to figure out what's going on with her and the ship and you've got the trying to fix the trellium stuff and i you've got a few more things a few more things that you can play with i think yeah and the, um, the, the ship solving that problem fixes her problem which causes another problem for the enterprise potentially because then she can scan them and, and everything effectively yeah the um yeah the trellium um it did lead to what I thought was the cutest scene where they trade the guy spices and they have the, a, yes, pretty, a pretty cute callback to like our, yeah. our world fought wars over these things. And he's like, oh, the pepper. I love pepper. Uh, that was cute. It, it ultimately is just a, a failure of the ship. The ship won't be able to deal with the anomalies, which are also just kind of curiously backgrounded. You know, we had, yeah, an, episode, they have, we had an episode dedicated to them, but even in that yeah. episode, they weren't happening all the time it wasn't like oh like this is this is hell on earth these anomalies uh so it's weird that they bring them up as a big problem but we never see why they would need to do anything to to get around them because the ship is moving they're traveling different places and it doesn't seem to be bothering them yeah all you get in this one is flocks making mention to some ensign that broke her arm oh yeah that's the the female thing. Uh, ensign he was dating her last mention is in this yeah Oh really? That was her. The actress oh. dies next yeah, in a, yeah. a month after this was produced or something, so they stopped. Really? Oh, that's sad. I mean, I knew she had, she died, but I didn't realize it was uh, it was. I I thought she had already died at this point. Yeah, I did too. But no, they they're still mentioning her. But this will be the last mention of her, according to Memory Alpha. Mm. Uh, the actress Kelly Waymire um, killed by an anomaly. I don't have anything else to say about this one. You? No. Yeah. Let's no. go to final thoughts. Yeah. We'll play a clip from the episode. We'll read some patron thoughts. We'll give our final thoughts about Regine. Do you expect us to reward you for this act of insubordination? This has left us more vulnerable than we were before. There's more to these humans than you can learn from a set of biometric scans. That's enough! Take her! 
Thank you very much for listening to the show today. Thank you for listening to our coverage of Regine and Star Trek Enterprise's third season, the fourth episode. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to do it. As I mentioned before, a goal is to cover Voyager in its entirety. That's only possible if we get to a certain reward level on Patreon. Goal is such a funny word to use there. <laughs> Financial goal is to get to that Financial level. Financial goal. <laughs> and then I maybe we'll cover, cover Voyager. Threat threat maybe um yeah is it the uh is it the plot line we talked about here where the anomalies are screwing up both of us and we'll solve one problem and we'll walk right into another problem i think it's something apt to that uh patreon.com slash the pencil pal best way to support the show a couple dollars a month to get extra stuff extra podcasts we talked about iron man it feels like six months ago we talked about iron man but it was iron man this month and ultimate computer right Yes, Ultimate Computer. Yes. We revisited the TOS episode. And uh, Friday the 13th, part, part three. Yes, comes out yep, this it's part month. three, which comes out on... Yep. Uh, it's already out at this point. But yeah, that came out. And uh, Clay and Amanda were going to continue with their Friday the 13th coverage into the, the new year in a couple months. Um, and everything like that. Patreon.com slash The Penske File. It's the best way to support us. Thanks very much. And as it's always... It's going to be difficult to follow after, after next month afterwards because uh, after part three, we have the final chapter. Mm-hmm. And then it's not part four. It's the final chapter. Then The New Blood. Okay. Then Jason Lives. Then... Jason in Space? I'm sorry. No. It's final chapter, new beginning. Sure. As you do. Then then uh, Jason lives, then new blood, then Jason takes Manhattan. I think that one actually does have a subtitle. I think that's Jason, Friday the 13th, part eight, I believe is, the tech, is what that one's called. Jason takes Manhattan. And then you've got rights change. So you've got uh, uh, Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Jason X, Freddy versus Jason. Then... Full circle, 2009, Friday the 13th. Patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to hear all of that. Um, and as always, a special thank you to our Captain That explanation that I just did, if you go there, it just plays on loop when you go to the Patreon page. Ben Douglas, so. Dark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Michael Pond, Matthew Ross, Andrew Sherlock, Samuel Custer, Cardinal Doomsday, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Christian Pouch, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Vault 13 Hero, Russell Elledge, Rune Vendler, HH28, Stefan Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Nick the Rat, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Groppler John Zorn, Corey Martin, Patrick Seba, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Dave Davies, Retail, Olivier Pardieu, Worf's Tiny Brown Dicks, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter's EWNF remixes, Captain Mick Munchausen. It's cut off. That's why I have to remember from memory. And then James McLennan. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. Let's go to your thoughts. If you're a patron, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes on the Patreon page. Go to the post at the top of our Patreon page if you're a patron. Leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. Here we go. Jakey's Gamer says, Regine or Tempter Scanner Soldier Spy. The way Regine gets onto the ship requires a series of fortunate coincidences, but once you look past that, I like the concept of what they're doing here. I found this mostly entertaining. I appreciate the carryovers from the previous episode and the beginnings of descent among the different Zindi species. I also enjoy the payment scene with the spices. It makes sense that an intergalactic trade, something relatively unremarkable to one species, would be valuable to another. Minus points for the horrible delivery of Regine's final line. A low three out of five. 
I do remember that too. I thought she was okay in the episode, and then that last line, she just totally. What's the line? Breaks. I'm totally missing. Is she I don't. Just, I don't remember, but it, it stood out to me as being very, very bad, poorly delivered. It's in know? the Zindi Council, I assume, is what they're you're yes, talking about. Yeah. Okay. Russell Elwich says, "Regine Brandon, I've got an idea." Matthew wasn't Russell, his this time. Matthew Ross says, the spice trading scene was, for me, the best part of the episode. Of course, Earth spices are exotic and alien to other species. You do have to wonder why the Zindi even believe that humanity can defeat them. Their weapons are useless and ineffective, and luckily only one ship was sent. Still very horny of an episode. Whom is providing strappy dresses and lingerie? Oh, Rick was loving it. Girl on girl. That's hot. Two out of five. I I would have loved a scene between um, Trip and Reed where they they very briefly consider leaving enterprise to open up a business selling spice because of how <laughs> how rich it would make them that would be a good scene that's um i need or like they <laughs> trip comes in and he's like i was just talking to the chef he says if we leave the ship now we can open up a spice trading point and be millionaires <laughs> by the end of the month <laughs> they don't have um Remember, they don't have replicators. They've doomed the ship right, to an internal that's trip that's of yes. no spice in their food. So yep, it's, yep. It's, it's, a, all, it's all not without trade food from now on. <laughs> Nick the Rat says, uh, "I really enjoyed this episode as well." Anyways, trip is hot. Clay, what's the last snack you've enjoyed? Do you have a snack you enjoy? Um, any spice? What's your favorite spice out of the spice rack of stuff that they had there? My favorite spice—I didn't see everything they had. My favorite spice, personally, is um, red pepper flakes. Yeah, red pepper flakes are good. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I actually—I um, I eat eggs for breakfast every day, but I have egg whites, and uh, I put a bunch of turmeric in. Oh, really? And not only is it good for you, but it also makes the eggs yellow, so it feels more like you're having regular eggs. Mm. You don't go saffron, which will also make it yellow, but cost you fifty-seven dollars per egg to put a little bit of a little bit of that in there. No, I didn't. I had. I've never tried that, and based on that price, I probably won't. Yeah, it's very. I think it's saffron. I think saffron's extremely expensive. Um, I like uh, oregano. Goes in everything, so maybe I'd have to pick oregano. I feel like oregano's too strong. Like a little bit goes a long way with that stuff. The weirdest spice to me is a bay leaf, which every soup has. You put a bay mm. leaf in, and then you take it out. And I don't know what the bay leaf does, but I yeah. I have to do it. Apparently, all I know about bay leaves is I always end up getting a mouthful of bay the, leaf. The bowl, it's never yeah, the, the chili bowl me. with the, the crunchy bay leaf in it. I would say, um, I would say mustard is my favorite spice. Any kind of mustard, I generally like. Uh, that's it for that comment. I thought I had something else to say about this. Oh, we didn't talk about. Um, let's just. Uh, we'll wait. Actually, we'll, we'll, I'm sure there'll be a comment that will kick it off. Royo says Archer gets seduced by an espionage agent again. It's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last one. As Orion slave girls will get a turn. Even within Enterprise, this episode concept has been done to death. La libera to tit. Oh, it's the, now that I have to read it, it's the Event Horizon. Libera to teme s. X in Ferris, zero out of five. Uh, Kyle Barrett says, well, I thought the last episode was terrible, and this one isn't much better. (laughs) I do give the show credit for being fully committed to serialization. The writers make this potentially generic plot specific to the Zindi arc, and Regine's actions will have consequences, plus Archer is itchy after getting turned into an alien, so that's something. 
I think the opening council scene gives too much of the game away, and it's obvious from the very start that Regine is there to collect semen samples from the crew. Although when she said her species knows tricks which makes them perfect sex slaves, I was expecting her to start firing ping pong balls out of her vagina rather than to turn into an MRI machine. While the episode is trying to be sexy, I don't think anything comes close to Trip describing how he and Malcolm purged a clog injector assembly together. A generous two. If you're a man and don't like this episode, you must be gay out of five. Just true. Um, I forgot about that scene when Tripp's talking to DePaul and he, he's, he's they're talking about purging the thing, but he's he's worried about Reed making a really like harmless joke about getting finger blasted by DePaul yep. or whatever he says. Yep. Yep. That's what I was going to talk about. I guess that comment. We didn't talk about their Vulcan neuropressure scenes, which are mm. definitely improving. They've moved away from this tee hee hee it's not about sex but it is thing and they've just turned it mm-hmm. into like i actually like the fact that the crew trip is concerned that the crew thinks that they're fucking each other mm-hmm. and he's like we can't mm-hmm. do this because what for no for whatever reason i have to come to your room and do this but like outside of that i think that it's a bad idea and she doesn't care it's i still don't think that the amount of time we're spending on this is not amounting to anything whatever this turns into i'm not gonna be like that was a well-deserved path that we had to travel down but at least it's not what it was the first time we saw it in the zindi episode the first one yeah i'm i'm gonna be interested i'm interested to see where it goes only because um jolene blaylock plays it convincingly vulcan enough where i don't feel like they are every time we do one of these scenes they're getting a little bit more like intimate with each other it's much better at that she's she's definitely more vulcany clinical about this at this point and trip is right too. trip isn't going like oh boobies are hanging out i got a point right you. yeah yeah so if this ends up being the long way around to get these two characters together i don't know how much that's gonna feel organic you know what i mean because it's i would say worthwhile it's been in that, every worthwhile. episode yes every episode yeah. it's the same thing yeah yeah because so if the end of this massage subplot is the two of them getting together it's like well it feels like it would be done because to paul feels like it's the logical thing for them to do at that point (laughs) you know (laughs) because she even she even kind of like hints at that not hints at it but what she says in that scene kind of feels of of a piece with what i just said because he's like yeah i mean i don't want them to think that we're we're you know sweet on each other and then she's like well there are subordinates it's none of their business right, even yeah. if we were and it's yeah. like oh okay so she's down to clown i guess yeah yeah that's that's a very it's a the uh, a very vulcany uh come on sentence i suppose um we've been spending a lot of time together it's only logical for us now to touch butts we'll, we'll retroactively marry ourselves we've been married for six months at this point trip <laughs> good to know you um Thank you, Kyle. Next comment. Point XG says, I suppose I should have known that the next logical step for T'Pol would be some mild girl-on-girl action. Archer accidentally gets a sex slave, and of course it's obvious that something else is going on. Nothing of much interest comes from it. I can applaud them for following through with the season storyline, but I don't know how much this episode really helps it. I know what they're going for with the Zindi Council, but it's really just not working. Thank you. Colonel Doomsday says, a treacherous slave girl and the reptilian Zindi. How did we get so fortunate? I wanted Flocks to go down to the market so we could have a field day too. 
Reed is just jealous because he's not getting any neuro pressure. I enjoyed the use of pepper for barter and was dismayed by how easily the Zindi boarded the Enterprise. I wonder if Regine was killed. Two organic g- grenades out of five. It's a good point. Reed is just jealous at this point. I, Reed's, Reed's I, just a, a weak sauce person. I also was kind of dismayed at how quickly they got onto the Enterprise. As like it was like it's like they've they're pulling up to the outer airlock, and then uh, Arch is like, "Ah, shit! Did anybody lock that?" <laughs> it's like, "Nope, they're already in." It's like they forgot to lock the door, so they just walked right in. This, I do like the reptilian Zindi's like slinky armor, though. Yeah, do you cool do you look. recognize their costumes? Actually, I, I realized what they are, no, and then it was confirmed no. on Memory Alpha. So, if you take away their slinky arms, they are a recognizable outfit uh, from one of the movies. Does that help? One of the next gen movies. They're purple and shiny. Um, is it the? It's not the the Remans. Yeah, it? it's the Remen. It's the Remen. It really? Remen uh, uniforms have been repurposed for these guys. Oh, cool! Why not? Yep. And they stuck slinkies on their arms to make it a little bit different. Got to got to make back that money they lost on that movie. I guess. Uh, I've noticed this was a generic Enterprise action episode. One that I didn't think mm-hmm. really supported. It, it moved the plot, but it wasn't interesting action to me. <laughs> I was. I was very, um, I mean, maybe she wasn't a, really a slave girl because she acts like a, like a super spy when yeah. she starts going out and like phaser blasting people. Mm-hmm. I did think it was really funny that they do this like slow motion. She leaps and lands and on her back. Like a, yeah, she comes down <laughs> hard. She doesn't like roll into it like a cat or something. She comes down like a wrestler. And yeah, just, it was boom. It, Full back on the on the hard floor. It was just more to her strange power thing. It's like, mm. yeah, she doesn't have to be a graceful somersault, land like a cat on all fours, and then like run out the door or something. As Reed goes, "What the hell was that?" She just drops twenty feet right on her back and is like, "That's it. I'm, I'm I got to run out of here." Mm-hmm. It was a bad yeah, action it's, episode. It's... Led me to notice two things. Um, the first one is. I'm getting a little annoyed by the way that Reed runs down the hallway with a phaser. <laughs> oh, I haven't, he does I haven't it the noticed. same way every single time. And uh, after the, my favorite thing in the episode after the spice trade was after the Zindi board the ship, right? They blow open a door that uh, allows them onto the Enterprise. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Archer chases them away. They go back to the blown up door that they came in on, which is still blown up, and they, they leave that way. Archer runs up to the blown up door and hits the button, and the communicator on the blown-up door still works, and he's able to call Reed, and that was my favorite, second favorite moment of the episode. They built the Amen. communicator to separate, last. Separate circuits. They should have made the door out of whatever the communicator was made yeah. out. <laughs> I, I also liked, we didn't talk about the um, suicide gland that the Zindi guys oh, have, sure. like, up under their, sh- under their you know, armpit. Yep. Was it's it very, under their armpit, or is it just in their? It in was their like head? it was like somewhere up, like right near the yeah. shoulder, I think. You I, know, so you just do like the hand under your arm, like <laughs> fart thing, and then but it kills you. <laughs> well, that joke kills every single time, anyway. So that's oh yeah, obviously oh, where yeah. it's coming from. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the point of that is. It's just to not have the reptilian Zindi get tortured well, yeah. by Archer. Well, because I was th- when when uh, when that one Zindi stuck um stayed behind i was like honestly let her go you've got a zindi now right you've got a live zindi um that's that's a pretty good get but obviously you know he's got the uh the death gland so feels like a um 
a script change that was made on set. This the director's like, wait, we've got a live Zindi. Get get the writers. Oh, he's got a he's got a suicide gland. We'll just we'll have a scene. All right, sure. go go with yeah. it, Archer. Talk about it. That's it for the comments. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Regine Clay on a scale of one to five. What are you going to give this one? Mm, probably a two. I give it a two as well. I think. Um, I do like the nice costuming. Nice costuming. I like. The, I like the. I am somewhat impressed with the show and the way that it's handling the Zindi arc. I wouldn't say that it's nailing it. I wouldn't say that it's doing anything revolutionary, but it. The season does feel to me like they are searching for the Zindi, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure why or. You know, I'm not sure about like the the stuff that's happening on the outside of that general idea, mm. but I I still do feel that it's nice to have the show have that backbone of something going on. I feel that even in weaker episodes, you can fall back on like, well, we'll tell them a little bit about the Zindi in this episode, and that's enough to get us through. And it, this is a two; it's not a good episode, but it's it has that going for it. Yeah, whenever you're stuck, just be like, he works for the Zindi? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Plot twist. Think about the, this episode in season one is all regime for no reason. And then you mm-hmm. get to the end and be like, what the, the the fuck was the point of that? Why did that happen? Here, it, it at least right, feels like you have right. half of a point that you're trying to make. Yeah, in season one, yeah, I guess she would probably just be stealing... She'd just be a mysterious alien that's stealing DNA for some reason and is hurting people who she steals it from. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, arguably maybe season one or season two would take the opportunity to get into more interesting ethical questions or something. Um, They wouldn't have. They wouldn't Yeah, they'd probably not, but it would probably just be a a very loose copy of like Pretty Woman or something based (laughs) on the way that they usually do these things. (laughs) So we're both going to give it two. Do you have a do you have a wrap up sentence about this one? Um, my favorite '90s band is Rage Against the Regime. Not bad. Pretty good. No, that's that's not that, that doesn't actually <laughs> not, nothing I said means anything. <laughs> None of those words mean anything together. That's it. Thank you very much for listening today. Patreon.com slash Lipensky file is the best way to support us. You can go to thepenskypodcast.com for all the old episodes because we're only got allowed 300 episodes in the podcast feed. All the episodes are over there. Um, and otherwise, the YouTube channel continues as normal. Everything's there. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Um, I don't know what week this is, but we've got a, a new Rotten Horror Picture Show that either is coming out or should be out this week. We are doing Dario Argento's Deep Red. Our first trip to Italy for some 70s Italian horror with a blistering um, prog rock soundtrack. So join us for that one. My favorite Christa Berg song as well. Um, is that that guy's I name? I know that one. That's that lady, lady, lady in red dancing. Is, is there a sequel called Deep Red? There is, yeah. Is <laughs> I was trying to build off your Asian against oh, I the machine. See. I get it. Yeah. Um, I think. I think. I think. There's too many. Too many. The, the the plank you need to get to that one might be a little too long. It is. It is. That's it. Deep Red is out. All the other shows continuing. I guess that's it for us. Excuse me. As I yawn, I made it all the way to the end and then I yawned. Um, 
All right, guys. Thanks very much for listening. Oh, I guess what's the next? The next Enterprise episode is Impulse, which is uh, we were wondering, like, we, it's the Event Horizon episode. Those those Vulcans do come back, and it's an episode. Oh, called, really? It's an episode oh, called Impulse. Sweet. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Fun. See you then.